Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Welcome back to another episode of Fearless, and today's a little bit different. It's a smaller episode. I'm going to start doing these many episodes in between the larger ones to discuss maybe current events or things that are on my heart. And today on this episode of Fearless, we're going to be discussing the questions I think we as Christians and Americans need to be asking as we are facing the end of this quarantine time and beginning to reopen our society. Life is beginning to emerge in our streets and stores. The last couple of weeks, the states began the reopening process. You know, they're a little unsure in this uncharted territory as life begins to reappear. I am in Florida, and just this week, I can tell a difference in traffic. A few of the parking lots are a little bit fuller. And I, we even went to church, you know, my family and I, we went to church this weekend. But last Friday, my daughter and I went and we dined in a restaurant for the first time. It seemed like a foreign concept. And at that time, they were at 25% occupancy. I think this week they moved to 50%. But as my daughter was asking the questions and I was trying to explain to her what that meant, you know, if you had 100 seats, you could only have 25 of those seats taken. And she's six years old and she looked at me and she goes, but mom, some of these restaurants are way too small. They don't even have a lot of seats. How can they open? And it just dawned on me like, wow. A six-year-old had that thought process that some of our politicians don't even have and the common sense that she had. But it's been a different experience having to navigate our family and our children through this time and explain to them what's going on. As I've mentioned in the past couple of episodes, and I know everyone listening can agree, there have been some sweet moments. You know, as this global pandemic has changed each of our lives drastically and altered our normal life, This difficult period has brought out, you know, the very best of humanity. And for me, I've loved the unity, especially in the beginning. For the first time in years, we saw, you know, stories of this country coming together and neighbors being neighbors and communities rising to the occasion. And although we were in a crisis, the tenderness and people's care and actions towards one another and the creativity they had to serve one another, it was a welcome change in this country. You know, our government came at the very beginning and they told us as Americans we had to come together to beat this invisible enemy. And we did. We came together. And although we were facing the unknown with only scary charts and predictions leading the way, they told us we had to do, you know, we had to stay at home for two weeks and we did it. And those two weeks came to an end and we endured it as they pushed that timeline back. But we did it and we did what we were told. And I didn't even realize how long that time had been. I was thinking it was like a month because we've just lost track of time. And I realized like, no, we're in like weeks nine and 10 of this. And the beauty of the American spirit, you know, we rise together in the challenges and we did what we were told and we flattened the curve. That's what we were told. We had to flatten the curve. We did it and we came together. But after America, you know, doing everything and taking precautions and being diligent, being responsible, Despite losing jobs and businesses and the economy going down, we did what we were told and we did it together. But now as states begin to reopen in different phases, there seems to be the big question of government overreach. You know, while some states move forward, 
you know, others are not. And even though after flattening the curve, it's like they changed the goal line on us. Some politicians still tell us that we can't go to our houses of worship. You know, we're going to remain shut down to July or August or until there's a vaccine or a cure. And you're like, what? When did that ever become of how Americans or the human race has ever operated? Stay indoors until we find a cure? When did that ever become an option to us? They moved the goalposts, and I heard someone use the example of like a long flight, and I was thinking of these like long international flights I've been on in the past, and you know, it's a 30-hour duration, and by the time you get home, your body is achy, you're deprived of sleep, and you can barely function by the time you walk in your doors. But it's like you're about to land after going halfway around the world. Uh-oh, we're going to go around the world one more time. You can't do that to our mental state at this point. We've been in our homes for this long, and some politicians are moving that goal line. And we are known to push through tough times. You know, as Americans, we push through those. And we are known to take risk. It's not even possible to, like, live in a bubble. I personally fear, like, for my life, you know, going down Interstate 75, which is outside my house, and I have to trust all the drivers around me who are going 80 miles an hour while they're trying to text and check emails while they drive. I'm at risk every day when I drive down my street or down Interstate 75. There's risk in our lives every day. And although we've seen our country come together and we've had great unity, the divisiveness is settling in again. Is it becoming, you know, the left versus the right again? And people sit on two sides of the debate about moving forward and reopening our country. And I do agree. There are people to extreme on each side. Each side has facts. Each side has some reasons. But however, lives and livelihoods are both important. You can't have life without livelihood, and you can't have livelihood without life. They go together. And we've learned a lot about the virus in the last few months when it used to be a mystery. You know, we've learned a lot. And we can have strategic ways as the country moves forward to take care of those at higher risk. But the continuation, you know, of this in our economy is just not an option if we're going to survive. And this cannot be the precedent set for every time a virus hits. And I want to ask the question, you know, what do we learn in all of this and these weeks that we've endured and the challenges and the sadness that we've seen, the unity come together? What do we learn from all of this? And we have to ask ourselves that, and I believe in like two ways. First, I mean personally, for you who's listening, for you spiritually, what has God taught you and your family during this time? I was just praying the other day, Lord, if I haven't learned personally in my heart what you have wanted me to learn during this unique time in my life, Lord, open my heart, open my eyes, and teach me. And I think of that, you know, when I read Daniel, and Daniel's prayer was more of a corporate prayer when he was praying for the sins of his people and his nation. And in Daniel chapter 9, verse 13, it says, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us, yet We have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our inequity and giving attention to your truth. Has our country, and I'm asking this, you know, when we look at this and all this calamity we have faced, have we turned all of our attention to God's truth? And I'm not just talking about those first three weeks when the um, online church numbers were on, but has it been a 180 in our lives and in our country? Have we turned to God and His truth? And I mean that too in our personal lives and our homes. But second, I mean this as Americans as well. What do we learn from all of this? Great questions have arised. 
You know, we have seen how quickly our rights can be taken away, how quickly life can change. And I've been asking the question during this entire time, where is that line drawn? You know, where do we as American citizens, or maybe if I'm talking to Christians who want to go to worship in our church, where do like we obey and surrender to the governing forces? And at what point do we take a stand? Where's that line drawn? And that's a good question to start asking ourselves. At what point do we become the churches that were once behind the Iron Curtain or in Germany? And I love like the Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina, Dan Forrest. He said, I think the biggest lesson that we're going to learn through this is how do we protect our Constitution and our constitutional freedoms as we move out of this and make sure that we don't move into a police state mentality every time something starts to go down in our country. Could you imagine a few short months ago seeing America where it is today? Like the government forcing people to stay home. You're forcing people to shut down their personal business, telling you you can't go to work. The police stopping people from walking in the park. And our government here in the United States telling us we cannot worship God because it is not essential. But there's women who are able to go get an abortion because that seems essential to some people. People being told their livelihood is not essential. And I've not understood that. And I know the argument that they were making. But you're going to tell the person at Walmart and the grocery stores that their job is essential, which I do agree. But the single mom who's cutting hair to feed her children, to pay the bills of her mortgage of the house that she bought on her own, to tell her her job's not essential. And I am always encouraging you here on the Fearless Podcast to have a fearless faith. In this compromising world, I want to help you to navigate that faith. But the reality is, like for me and for the most of us listening, I'm not sure if we will ever be able to grasp how much our fearless faith is due to the religious freedom we have in this country. Maybe if we didn't have the security, I wouldn't be fearless. I don't know. I prayed the other night, you know, Lord, if my faith was ever tested in persecution, that He would give me the strength to stand boldly. But I always go back to the theme verse of this podcast. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Applying wisdom, love, and sound mind, there's no better way to move forward in this country as we reopen. We can help people regain their livelihood by wise, strategic, and caring steps. And once again, how thankful I am. It's a little bit easier with the liberties given to me in this country to live fearlessly because we have seen how quickly it all can change and how quickly our rights can be taken. And that is why, you know, November elections that are coming up, they are so important. That's why we need men and women who will protect our religious liberties in office. We need a president who will elect judges to the courts who will protect religious freedom. Like in North Carolina, where a federal judge interpreted the law and freedom of worship in such a way he overruled the North Carolina governor. And once again, I want to encourage you here on this podcast— Stand fearless in your communities. Stand fearless as an American citizen. But most important, stand fearless as Christians, children of God. You know, we are able to stand fearless because we know who sits on the throne, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And how glorious is that?
Once again, thank you for joining me on another episode of Fearless. I hope these questions that you ask, these are questions that you can be asking inside your family, your friends, and your churches. Thanks for listening. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Oh,